Good morning, Iowa. I'm Scott Casper from Nick Learhoff, and this is St. Gregory's Talk Therapy. Join us as we talk about a topic that many Iowans face every day, that, of course, is mental illness. We feature the expertise of doctors, therapists, who understand the challenge all face. Our show airs two times, 4 to 5 a.m. and 10 to 11 a.m. on Saturday mornings, only on Iowa's Hope 940, and online at talktherapytmhs.com. We invite you to join in for the conversation on this important life topic. As we like to say, Iowa, we're listening. You bet we are. And so we come to you live from the Five Talents Financial Management Group studios. As I said, I'm Scott Casper, Kira Jones, producing the program as well. Kira, and a good morning to you. All right. So what we're talking about today, we always have a topic for the show within the realm or the spectrum of mental health, right? And uh, it's it's about uh, the importance of reducing stigma of people seeking help for substance abuse, mental health, and abuse as well. Um, and just to put a, uh, a point on the topic, uh, public stigma involves the negative or discriminatory attitudes that others have about mental illness. Self-stigma refers to the negative attitudes, including internalized shame that people with mental illness or uh, the affliction, uh, insert affliction here, really, um, alcoholics uh, will say, I hate myself. That's strong, right? Well, in many cases, they put themselves, painted themselves into a corner. Uh, you can find out more about uh, stigma and discrimination uh, through the American Psychiatric Association, or you can just sit back and listen to our guest, Greg Belleville. He joins us now on the Newsmaker Hotline. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? Good. I'm I'm enthralled by this because we do tend to um, beat ourselves up. <clears throat> Excuse me. We tend to beat ourselves up, and we have a type of uh, uh, negative uh, conditioning um, that it's hard to break that uh, without help from others, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really can be, and that permeates throughout society. Mm-hmm. I think societally we have a tendency to to stigmatize, villainize, or other people who are having problems mm-hmm. uh, of, as you said, afflictions of of various types. And and we need to change that. We need to we need to normalize helping people. We need to normalize uh, shared community responsibility, and we need to normalize seeking help. You know, one of the things I look at is. Uh, if you're on a slippery slope and you find yourself sliding, whether it's alcoholism, addiction, or what have you, um, the further down that slope we go, the worse it gets. And it really can worsen health problems. And I'm talking about stigma and discrimination. It can really help, uh, or worsen rather someone's mental health problems and delay or impede their getting help or treatment. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, one of the things that happens is people don't look at all the contributing factors that play into to that that slippery slope and and we know that as we're experiencing so it, it starts very early on in life right when children experience trauma experience adverse childhood experiences we know that Extended, unmitigated experiences of trauma can physically or physiologically impact the development of the brain, much like we see with substance use, addiction, it, uh, it, those things 
physically change the brain and that has an impact on our the way we think the way we process things the way we interact socially the our maladaptive coping skills or high risk coping oh, wow. skills and that and to, to more problems whether it's increased substance use anxiety depression and that can lead to physical problems um so so it really just just spins out as you said and one of the things i think on the other side of that is is how we look at that mm. we have a a strong perception at least in Iowa and in many other parts of the country, I've been talking with other people about these issues of this idea that, you know, we, we just need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and, you know, we don't asking for help is a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. So we have that shame and guilt of not being able to solve our problems ourselves or not having a trusted person knowing where to turn or risk of I'll be judged. I'll be perceived as weak. Um, and so we don't ask for help. And on the other hand, we look at other people, particularly adults, and we we assign some moral flaw to the struggles they have, which which I, I totally understand. And I get especially working in child abuse prevention. And and you hear some of these stories on the news. And, and I understand it's hard not to look at people like, how, how could you do that? I, I would never do that. But we don't take the time to to put ourselves in, in other people's shoes and, and look at the contributing factors to what's going on. And that is not to excuse behavior. That is not to excuse treatment. That's not to excuse um, substance, substance use uh, and, and continued use and, and things like that. Adults, you know, we, we always do have choice and responsibility over our behaviors, but there are other factors that we need to take into consideration to see how someone got to where they're at right now. Um, and, and there's a lot of societal, uh, there's a lot of societal or early life or factors contributing to that, that just frankly may not be 100% the responsibility of the person. Mm -hmm. And and there's a couple different, right? There's public and then there's self. Mm -hmm. Public, in, in my research, it says, involves the negative or discriminatory attitudes that others have about mental illness. In other words, how they see mm -hmm. it. And there's self-stigma refers to negative attitudes, including shame that people with mental illness have about their own condition. And that takes me right to this point. There is a cycle, right? I mean, um, with mental health, there's a cycle with, uh, addiction, alcoholism, et cetera. There is a cycle, uh, that, uh, when reduced to social isol isolation, uh, poor housing conditions, unemployment or poverty, that all links and it has a very strong link in relationship to mental illness, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're actually doing some, some work looking at that right now. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of research out there that shows the importance of that support in as, as a way to reduce risk for things like substance use, uh, or, or child maltreatment. Um, and, and improve outcomes when people are seeking help in dealing with those issues. And concrete support can be things like food, housing, right. uh, uh, necessary income levels, uh, um, food security, things like that, coupled with appropriate treatment, whether that's home visiting, whether that's substance use disorder treatment, um, whether that's mental health treatment. We, we really just have to make sure it's hard for people to say, I really need to, I really need to not drink today, 
but I also where the next meal is going to come from or how I'm going to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Right? It's hard. It's hard to say. I I really need to be a good parent today, but I got to get to my second job on the Des Moines public transportation system, which is is not great compared to other parts of of the United States, right? And and I have a, a screaming child right here. You know, it's it's really hard to address those more mm-hmm. higher order issues, if you will, when yeah. our base needs aren't being met. It's all about that cycle, and and if you think you're in it, you probably are. Um, sometimes we are are the last to to recognize it and own it, and uh, it's it's important too that to know that your behavior contributes to uh, a public stigma. Okay, it's important to know that. If, if by the way, Mayo Clinic has done an interesting st- uh, topic uh, or study rather on mental health and overcoming the stigma of mental illness. And I encourage you all to go on the Mayo Clinic websites, mayoclinic.org, mayoclinic.org. There's a bunch of information there, and I think uh, you folks might be able to uh, uh, gain something from it, and I, I know I have. Greg, let's talk about the basic root of stigma. Um, it, it, it's it's different today than it was, say, 50 years ago, right? I mean, uh, people used to feel sorry for the town drunk, okay? Um, and they may have made fun of them, but there still was some derision. You know, my understanding is that, that, um, uh, it's not, it's, it's more publicly accepted that there are people who suffer from alcoholism, right. And or addiction, but now we actually have places to go, uh, people to see like yourself, professionals that can help us climb out of that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see that, and I don't know the, the root causes of that perception. Mm-hmm. I will say we are trying to do a better job um, as, as nonprofits, as governmental agencies mm-hmm. on um, educating on the importance of reducing that stigma, the importance of normalizing seeking help. I know people in my life who, you know, that's a problem, that's my problem, and that is for me to know about and maybe some very trusted who I cannot hide it from. Right. right? But, and, and again, I'm, I'm also a person who does this. When I have problems, I try to keep them to myself and solve them before I reach out to ask for help. Asking for help is hard for me. Yeah. And it's hard for a lot of people. When we do, when we do our trainings on, on adverse childhood uh, experiences and resilience, one of the questions we ask people is how many people like asking for help? And in a room of 300 people, raise your hand if you like asking for help. Zero <laughs> hand. And then I'll ask the, the very next question. How many people like helping other people, right? All 300 people will raise their hand, right? <laughs> yeah. We want to help people, right? right? And, and, then, and then the question is, how many, people, how many people will judge somebody who asks them for help? And then you'll get, you'll get about 250 hands, right? And those 50 people will be like, yeah, when someone comes to me and asks for help, I might, I might perceive that as a sign of weakness. And, and that can be really illuminating for people and have them check what their internal biases is. And this can be more prevalent in sometimes in rural counties, right? And, and in more rural places where there is more of that, that mentality that, nope, I, I need to, my business is my business and I need to keep that private and, and asking for help is a sign of weakness. The other thing that's going on in those rural counties is there's not as many opportunities for help as we have in some of our urban centers across the state. So true. So, 
There's, there's a lot of organizations right now, particularly in Iowa, that are doing some good work on reducing stigma. Uh, uh, Prevention Abuse Iowa is trying to do that, again, with, with parenting, with asking for help, with normalizing. Uh, we're getting ready to launch a campaign called the Imperfect Parents Club, right? We're, being a good parent is tough, yeah. right? It is just hard to keep your stuff together all the time. I have two screaming kids in the basement right now. Um <laughs> Uh, my wife is, is fantastic help, right? But I'm lucky enough to have that support and, and the resources we need to do that. Um, there is a Healthy Estate Initiative with the Make It Okay campaign um, or the Brain Health Now campaign. So there's, there's a lot going on right now to try and to normalize that everybody has an issue, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's everybody's struggling with something and whether that is substance use disorders, mental health issues, taking care of your family, everybody's struggling with something. And, and it's all of our responsibility as members of a community to, to make sure that we have the necessary supports and structure we need to take care of people when they're struggling. You know, during this whole period of coronavirus and, and the pandemic, et cetera, this has been like we've been living in a Petri dish. Okay. And <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, for me, yeah. it's it's everything has a much um, more pointed focus, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Greg Belleville. He's the executive director of Prevent Child Abuse Iowa. Our topic today: the importance of reducing stigma of help for substance abuse, mental health, and abuse. Uh, so there's so much more to talk. <clears throat> Pardon me, getting a little choked up about the whole topic, Kira. But uh, we appreciate you tuning in to listen to this very important show. It's St. Gregory's Talk Therapy. The Mental Health Show will continue with Greg Belleville on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. There's more with Nick Learhoff and Scott Casper right here on Iowa's 940 for St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, The Mental Health Show. Iowa, we're listening. I came to St. Gregory very reluctantly at my all-time worst physically, emotionally, and mentally. But I gave my best effort to these new things in my life as I saw hope in this complete approach. I'm at the point now that I feel my strongest and best ever, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I felt quite certain God was orchestrating everything. St. Gregory Recovery Center. Recovery starts here. Relevantradio.com slash St. Gregory. All right, welcome back to St. Gregory. The Mental Health Show, Scott Casper and Kira Jones in the studio today. Nick Learhoff with a week off. And we invite you to grab a cup of coffee, maybe a tea in this uh, humid weather, maybe a glass of iced tea. And uh, that's what trips your trigger. I tell you what, our topic today, the importance of reducing stigma of people seeking help for substance health and abuse. Um, and before we went to break, Greg, I, I brought up the idea that this time of the pandemic and the uh, coronavirus, et cetera. It's like we've been all living in a, a petri behaviors like uh, the consumption of alcohol or drugs, narcotics, et cetera, uh, have that the incidence of alcoholism and addiction has gone up in amazing numbers. And uh, uh, people not working has gone up as well. Uh, it's, it's coming down a little bit now. Uh, and I'd like to see it come down a lot, lot, a uh, lot more but it's, it's an unintentional place that we find ourselves. And when you think about stigma, it's how people view you and your behavior, whether you choose to share it with them or not. And uh, Greg, talk a little bit about 
the types of stigma that uh, people might be able to uh, experience? Um, So when you look at stigma that people might experience, I think I think we've talked about it a little bit when we talked mm-hmm. about whether or not that comes from from yourself or from other people right. and of whatever those struggles are. And and then it comes down to sort of a, a value system or a belief system in how people should behave and how people should deal with their problems. Right. So and and that's very easy to do from from the grand the arch armchair or or from our shoes without wow. putting pe- without putting ourselves in the shoes of the other person or or just trying to understand what the other person has gone through right and i think that gets to to the importance of empathy right and the pandemic for all of the terrible things about the pandemic the the loss of life just everything and beyond the pandemic, everything we've experienced in the last year, right? And when we talk about stigma particularly, you know, some of the things that many people experienced during the pandemic were not new problems for for a large number of people in Iowa and in our country, right? Mm-hmm. That a lot of people saw what was going on with people in the pandemic and said, yeah, we've, we've been struggling issues. The pandemic didn't introduce a lot of new problems it exacerbated problems that already existed. Oh, wow, and yeah. when you talk about stigma, you can, it, one of the things that that did when, when we say it exacerbated that one of the things that that did is it opened a lot of people's eyes to issues that were going on, or a lot of people were affected by issues for the first time that other people were already experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw, we saw what problematic housing situations look like, right? We saw the importance of schools and the resources that schools provide beyond teaching math and reading, right? The the social supports. We had a lot of people come to us and say, relationships are so important now. People are, are so isolated. And, 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 and in our mind, you know, it's like, no, relationships are always important, right? We, we know that when people are isolating, that's a big risk factor for high-risk behaviors, right? When we talk about, when we talk, and, and so. Did we lose our guest? Oh, there we go. When we talk about addiction <laughs> and we talk about, sorry, uh, substance use, um, one of the things that people do when they start to to do problematic using behavior, mm-hmm. right, is is they isolate. They try and hide that because a lot of times they don't want that. They, they understand the stigma that's associated with that. They understand that this doesn't match up with my values or this doesn't match up with societal values. I don't want to whether it's I don't I don't want my spouse, my parents, my my work to find out about this for the fear of negative consequences or being judged, or you know, I I am ashamed of this behavior. I, I don't, you know, and that that extends beyond one of the things I, I try to talk to people about this is that extends addiction, uh, mental health, child maltreatment, right? Everybody is everybody, I believe, has something that they do that they're, they're not proud of or they would like to change, right? right? Whether that's overeating, gambling, uh, procrastination, right? Uh, 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 fear, right? And that's, those are the things that they try and, and isolate and hide from the world. Mm-hmm. And, and people, and when I was counseling one of the people, you know, please don't leave treatment and think that the last problem you're going to have is, is your struggle with substances or that that is the 
all of your problems, oh. right? That That is a change like any other behavior change, and it can cause more problems or it can exacerbate problems. But what we really need to focus on is how do I how do I have those problem-solving skills, those resources I need, those social supports I need to, to deal with the stressors that life throws at me so that I don't turn, so I don't, so it doesn't impact negatively my mental health. So I can have good mental health, right? So it doesn't lead me back to substance use, so that it doesn't lead me to, to abuse or domestic violence or, or however I, I might lash out in, in those moments of high stress. Greg Belleville, our guest on the Newsmaker Hotline, and we're talking about the importance of reducing stigma of people seeking help for a variety of reasons. We'll give you substance abuse, mental health, and just traditional abuse. I hate to say traditional, um, but stereotypically. Okay, some of the harmful effects, according to this article I've been referring to by the Mayo Clinic, uh, some of the harmful effects of stigma can uh, uh, include reluctance to seek help or treatment. In other words, how people see you and your perception now, how people see you being weak enough to seek help or treatment, when in fact it's really the opposite, isn't it, Craig? It takes so much strength to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that's not just, again, it goes, it goes beyond treatment. We, we know that we have families who are out there struggling, right. who have resources in their communities who won't go. I've had people tell me, you know, I, I can't go to treatment because I can't have, I can't have the partner to find out. I, and I can't have my, my boss find out. I can't have my family find out. I can't have my neighbors find out. I can't go to, I can't go to um, whether it's the, the WIC office or, or the food pantry to get help because my neighbors might see me and I don't want them to know I'm struggling. And people continue to struggle, and a lot of times those situations can worsen because we have this societal perception, this prevailing thought that it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. And it goes, it goes back to that question. That's why we asked that question during our Connections Matter training. You know, is what, what do you think when people ask you for help? Or how hard is it for you to ask for help? And we really try and encourage that conversation. Asking for help takes so, it takes so much strength to finally say, Scott, will you please help me with this, right? And it takes a lot of trust to, to it takes a lot of trust in somebody to, to, to go to them and say, you please help, I trust you, you won't judge me, I trust that you can help me. There um, so, so that's something that we all just need to, to do a better job of is, is normalizing, not normalizing asking for help as weakness, right? But normalizing asking for help as something that is, is okay is is in many cases takes a lot of courage and strength to do and vulnerability and and we need to do that to 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 increase that that takes us building those relationships right right that takes us building trust that takes us making it okay to be vulnerable making it okay to hear and i don't know how many times you hear this during day to have someone say you know what you know what i'm really struggling today and that's one of the things i think uh taking it back to when you were talking about the pandemic, at least in the, the, many of the spaces I've been in over the last year, there's been a lot more intentionality at the start of meetings or, or having meetings just for that, to just do check-ins and say, you know what, how are you doing today? And setting that, that precedent or that tone, that like, don't just give me the grocery store, like, how are you today? I'm fine, right? <laughs> uh, but, but really spaces to ask right. uh, how you're doing. 
So we're talking, really, it's a lack of understanding by family, friends, coworkers, and others, okay? It's fewer opportunities for work, school, or social activities, or trouble finding housing. And again, stigma relates, right? Bullying, Mm -hmm. physical violence, harassment, um, health insurance that doesn't adequately cover your mental illness treatment, and the belief that you'll never succeed at certain challenges or that you can't improve your situation. The me today at 62 is much different than the me uh, of yesterday at 16. I was so motivated, so driven. I had no afflictions, okay, at the time, (laughs) other than I talked too much, believe that or not. Um, So we kind of paint, and I said this earlier, we kind of paint ourselves into a corner. uh, and, And that's where we find fewer and fewer and fewer people that have a, an ability to be empathetic, uh, not sympathetic. There's a huge difference here, by the way. Okay. Um, but it's an opportunity, uh, that we find that is fleeting. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to do what Greg has suggested. And that is say, Hey, you know what? I'm struggling today. Do you have a minute? Can we talk about this? I'd like to have you as a sounding board. Perhaps you have, you know, experienced the same thing. Most people have experienced what we all experience. Okay. But this is the, it's called the human condition and our topic today, overcoming uh, stigma of mental illness or related uh, afflictions like alcoholism and addiction. Greg Belleville, our guest, he's the executive director of prevent child abuse, Iowa. Greg, there's always that uh, big month and I believe it's may, right? Is a national mental health awareness month. And we all, tend to sit up a little bit taller, pay a little closer attention to um, the topic and to those around us. But then it it kind of wanes uh, as we go into June, July, August. And perhaps that's when we need to, you know, ask those questions. How are you doing today? I love that. You know, I, I always wondered where the, the idea at Wells Fargo Arena here and in related arenas around the country operated by the same company. Um, their slogan is how you doing? Okay. Not how am I doing, but how are you doing? And I always thought that a bit hollow, but you know what? The more I think about it, the more we see it, the better it is. And the easier it is to ask that question. So Greg, I'm going to ask you, how are you doing? Today? I'm, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I'm glad it's Friday. Yeah. Um, and and, and frankly, I got a lot on my plate, Scott. Sir. Uh, and and I say that I say that in in all earnestness. Sure. Um, I I am, and I say that also acknowledging my privilege in life. Right. I'm I'm very blessed. I I I've been able to work throughout this. I have a I have many social supports. I have a great family that bails us out on parenting very frequently when we need a break, because as, as many parents know, like you, you need a break sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm lucky enough to, to be able to get one, um, when, when I need it most times. Um, so there's, there's just a lot going on. There's, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I, I appreciate people like you that are help bringing attention to this issue. I, I love that you brought up uh, mental health awareness month. And one of the things that that made me think of is, Mental Health Awareness Month comes after Prevention Month, and right. I I never thought of that before, much like you and Wells Fargo. Of 
it's, it's interesting that the Child Abuse Prevention Month comes right before Mental Health Awareness Month because that's often one of the, the preceding, preceding events or things that leads into to poor mental health. And we really need to figure out ways in our communities where we can prolong those conversations year round that it's, uh, uh, you know, 30 days out of the year, we're going to focus on this and then we're going to move on to the next thing because all of these things are so interrelated. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take, doesn't take professionals, you know, scientists, rocket science, anything like that to focus on this in your community. There really is little things we can do to help build community or to help say, hey, what issues do we have in our community? How can we work with our community, the resources we have, the, the nonprofits in our community? How can we reach out to our representatives in the, the House and the Senate and talk with them and say, hey, we, we really identify this issue. What can, what can you do to help? What are you doing to help? Um, there's, there's a lot of people out there who, who want to help. Um, or, or it can be as simple as, hey, we're going to have we're going to have a meal at the town community center once a week where we can all get to hang out. We're, you know, a lot of towns used to do stuff like that. Right. As, as I have, as I have learned um, traveling around the state, my, my attend all the state parks and we love talking to people Very cool. in different towns. And you see that, you know, these towns, a lot of cases used to, used to just be more connected mm-hmm. um, than, than they are. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I have memories as a, uh, within the church structure, we always had potlucks. And that's where we all came together, mm-hmm. brought something we were, uh, something we made to see and have others enjoy. Uh, and I think we've sadly fallen away from that. Greg, I would like to have you uh, stay through one more segment. And when we come back to put a bow on it, right? I'd like to talk about the steps to cope with stigma. Okay. Some of the ways that we can deal with stigma. Okay, and there's negative stigma, obviously. And there is a positive stigma as well, over attentiveness. So do me a favor, stand by. We'll be back. There's more St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show, with our guest on the Newsmaker Hotline. He's Greg Belleville, the executive director of Prevent Child Abuse Iowa. Kira Jones, Scott Casper with you. Enjoy yourself. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. There's more with Nick Learhoff and Scott Casper right here on Iowa's 940 for St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Iowa, we're listening. The folks at St. Gregory were vital in helping me to get my brother into rehab. They were not only supportive of him, but of our whole family. They truly saved all of our lives with their love and kindness. Because of the hard work they helped my brother do, we regained a valued, healthy, and incredible part of our family. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory, setting the new standard for recovery. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Shepherd's Talk Therapy Show. It's a day that's important for us all to look at, address, and uh, immerse ourselves into uh, uh, the topic and and the subtopics because it's important to each and every one of us. If you're a part of the human condition, and you are, the importance of reducing stigma of people seeking help for substance abuse. Uh, and when I say substance abuse, it has to deal with alcoholism. It has to deal with drug abuse. Uh, legalizing marijuana for medical purposes, I agree with. But legalizing marijuana for uh, the pure profit of it all, I don't think it has any societal benefits. I really don't that can lead us down some very bad roads. All right. 
uh, Greg Belleville, our guest. And Greg, when, when we were going to break, I invited you to uh, talk a little bit about the steps to cope with stigma. What are some of the ways people can deal with it? Um, I think, I think one of the first things and to go back to is if you're, if you're experiencing stigma, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're experiencing any of these issues we're talking about, reach out to somebody, ask that professional, that's a trusted person in your life. Uh, talk to somebody about it. If, if you're, if you're concerned about it, if, if you're having issues, get help. I think from from the side of the person, if we're looking at ourselves and we're being honest with ourselves, and we are, and we're looking at somebody, and and we are knowing right now, I'm this person. What and and ask ourselves that question: What's that? What's that based on? Right? Who are those people that I look at and and I and I say hey, that person would do this, or 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 how could this person do this? I think the the main antidote to that, if you will is that empathy, right? Um, yeah. One of the things that, that I talk about in, in counseling, and we, and we talk about this when we talk about empathy in some of our programming, if I, if, if I can I share a story? Can mm-hmm. I share a story? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a friend who is, is perpetually late, right? And, and I asked him to help me move one time, and he didn't show up, and it's like, gosh, Dan's never on time. He's always late. He blew this off again. He's such a flake. He's not reliable, Right. And I'm mad at Dan. And, and that is my perception of Dan right now. Right. And then later I find out after we move and I see Dan, like, what happened? Where were you? You said you were help. You always blow me off. I'm super mad. Like, oh, I'm sorry. My mom got in a car accident. I was in the hospital and I called, but I was just so stressed out. Right. And immediately what happens to that anger I'm experiencing? Dissipates. It's gone. Right. right? Because I now understand. I'm not, I don't, not, I just understand what his situation was. Right. And, and we can apply that to different areas of life. One of the most challenging moments I had um, so far working, working at Prevention Health Science personally, right? Like seeing a lot of and, and learned a lot of challenging things and, and, and same thing in treatment, right? We, we kind of see some of the worst of life in that was when we were talking about uh, an instance of abuse that happened. And I was so mad at these parents who abused this child. And, and one of the things that someone I was working with me and and this person was a a survivor themselves and and they said what do you think happened in those parents childhood oh wow what do you think happened to them right and immediately and i I was kind of mad i was like i don't i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to empathize with them right now right now i want to be mad right and it it does not excuse their behavior right? right adults still make choices but much like with much like with substance use right there are things that happen that make these choices either easier to make or seem like the best choice or kind of get us to that point where we snap. Right. And, and at that point, when we look at these cycles that occur in child maltreatment, these cycles in addiction, when we look at the impact, like we said, of, of early childhood trauma, of some of these societal, societal pressures, it makes a lot it makes it a lot more understanding that we can see sure. how, how these things happen how someone growing up without necessary resources in a house that, that had, um, you know, four or more adverse childhood experiences, whether that's mental health in the household, substance use in the household, uh, an incarcerated parent, divorce, abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, things like that in the household, and the impact that has on us developmentally, oh, well. physiologically, and how we cope with life, mm-hmm. right? The, the response to that has to be developing resilience and developing hope. We, we have to have hope, but, you know, 
we, we have to believe and we have to know if I can do something about this and we can, my efforts will bear fruits. It might not be a quick fix, right? right? But I can make slow and steady improvements and, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. You got to tell a story. I'm going to equate. Okay. I'm going to offer up, um, an experience for me. Um, for those of you that don't know, I've been involved with, uh, uh, autistic kids and families who suffer from autism. And, uh, that matter of fact, that's a topic next week on the show. We'll have, uh, uh, Michael Goldberg on to talk about, um, autism and various autism and how we deal with and how we see, uh, those that mm-hmm. suffer with autism. So that leads me to the story. You're in a restaurant, uh, a couple tables over, there is a table with a mom and a dad, perhaps maybe just a mom, maybe just a dad, but, uh, some parent is there if not both. And then you have two or three kids and they're all being, uh, loud. Uh, some would say abusive to those around them because they are acting out and you tend to attach a stigma to them. In other words, you're rating or judging them. And you find out only after the fact from the, the waitress, this family leaves. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed your breakfast today. The waitress says, and you say, well, I would have, if that family had been, you know, more in line with social norms, but her response was, you know, they're a great family. And because they have three kids with autism, you see what I'm saying? How that, yeah, it, it it absolutely allows us an opportunity to be and to be understanding and, and to hold ourselves back from judging others. I don't remember if it was Joshua who judged Ruth, (laughs) <laughs> but I think there's a, an incredible story uh, to be told in that regard. So steps to cope with stigma, Greg, as we wrap up your final segment, um, you may be reluctant to admit that you need treatment and this is all of us. Okay. Let your fear of being labeled with a mental you from seeking help. Treatment can provide relief by identifying what's wrong and reducing symptoms that interfere with work or your personal life. Don't let stigma create self-doubt and shame. This is huge, by the way. Uh, stigma doesn't just come from others. You may mistakenly believe that your condition is a sign of personal weakness or that you should be able to control it without help. Seeking counseling, educating yourself about your condition, and connecting with others who have mental illness in various forms can help you gain self-esteem and overcome destructive self-judgment. Don't equate yourself with your illness. And Greg, I on this, you're not an illness. You are not an illness. So instead of saying I'm bipolar, say more to the fact, I have bipolar disorder. Instead of calling yourself a schizophrenic, say I have schizophrenia. Okay. Uh, you can also join a support group and there are many out there and some better than others. I would openly say that some local and national groups like NAMI national Alliance on mental illness offer local programs and internet resources that help reduce stigma by educating people who have mental illness, their families and the general public are included. Some state and federal agencies and programs, such as those that focus on vocational rehab at the department of veterans affair offer support for people with mental illness. And we have been as a society, Greg, we've been, uh, quick to, um, to partition off, to segregate, veterans who suffer from mental illness, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we, we, we tend to other, we tend to others 
everybody's struggling with that. And, right. and people who serve certainly have a different set of circumstances and, and issues that, that impact that for them. So, Greg, um, because you deal so closely uh, and families, okay, um, I, I have this solid belief that those that are the first reporters, okay, the teachers, the educators, the uh, uh, staff at every school uh, have an obligation to protect those that they're educating. Um, taking them out of the school system for so long has created its own problem, right? I mean, it's it's something we have to deal with because children, uh, let's say you or your, ch- let's say your child has a mental illness that affects learning. Uh, we invite you to find out what plans and programs might help. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, Greg, what are the programs that you offer through, uh, prevent child abuse, Iowa and, and the greater good, what are some of the things that folks can find with your organization? Um, particularly, particularly as it relates to, to reducing stigma and building resilience, mm-hmm. we, we have our connections matter program, which I've mentioned Right. And we have multiple versions of that program. We worked with epidemiologist uh, Dr. Linda Chamberlain, uh, who who really focuses on how do I take these these abstract concepts and, and put them in a way that's really easily digestible by non-professional or non-technical people. Right. I think we've seen a lot of programs that that they're, they're really jargony or they use a lot of technical language or they talk about the same issue different ways because of their different programs. So with Connections Matter in the community, we have Connections Matter in education, Connections Matter in the workplace, um, Connections Matter in early childhood. We really focus on understanding and understanding trauma and the impact that trauma has on the brain over the lifespan because our brains are, are malleable. Our brains continue to develop very quickly early on, they're they're very they're very squishy early on, but and, and it gets harder. Old dog, new tricks, right? It gets harder <laughs> over time, but our brains still are forming new connections and and other connections are breaking in in how it works over the the lifespan. And we've really focused on how can we build resilience, how can we have that empathy and have that hope that we as a community can improve the lives of the children in our community and of the, the families in our community. We also do trainings on the protective factors framework where we look at the things that can prevent child maltreatment. And they're very similar to the, the protective factors for substance use for people struggling. We look at it's, um, it's parenting skills and knowledge. That one's a little bit different, but it's having resilience, right? Our ability to cope with tough times. It's having social supports, people who we can go to in good times or bad, just people we can connect with and be connected with. It's having those concrete supports, those concrete needs met. And then it's attachment with the child, right? So, so that relationship between the, the caregiver and the child. Um, those, those are really some of the, the big things that directly relate to, to the topic that we're talking about. And, and Connections Matters developed, I have to give credit to the IOAS 360 Coalition um, uh, years ago. they they do the research uh, statewide on adverse childhood experiences in the state. Their newest report came out just a couple of months ago. I, I would definitely encourage people to go check that out to get more information on adverse childhood experiences in the state. Um, and 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 a number of other organizations um, are focused on helping people. Right, really look at how do we help people over the lifespan. Um, I, I think 
one of the most important things you've mentioned is is we need to we need to have that hope and we can do things as simple as as looking at how we how we talk about it right. like you said one of the things you'll you'll notice um when i talk i don't i don't say somebody with with alcoholism or with addiction right really look at someone struggling with substance use right someone struggling with alcohol someone struggling with drugs because of that idea of we don't want to we don't want to define somebody by that issue, mm-hmm. right? And and even saying alcoholism or, or addict isn't as damaging as people say. Like if they're a, a junkie, right, or they're a monster or whatever, we hear people say like that. Those, that type of language perpetuates that stigma. Uh, and that's, again, a, a little thing we can do as people individually. Low cost, no cost thing we can do, but it's really challenging to, to check that. There's always a cost. <laughs> in time, money, relationships, yeah. there's always a cost and you have to weigh that out for yourself. But we encourage you to talk with your friends, your family, teachers in your life, professionals, um, like Greg, you know, it's, it's important to know that there are resources, uh, for each and every one of us. Uh, if a teacher doesn't know about a, a student's disability, for example, it can lead to discrimination, barriers to learning or poor grades. We invite you to join in the conversation. And that's so important. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. And that's what we've been talking about, the problem of stigma and how it relates to those that are suffering. Greg Belleville has been our guest. Greg, it's always good to talk to you, my friends. Thank you so much. Let folks know where they can find uh, child abuse, excuse me, (laughs) Prevent Child Abuse Iowa online. You can go to PCAIowa.org and you can get information on our programming, on child maltreatment and how to support the organization. Beautiful. Greg, thanks for the time today. I surely appreciate your professional uh, look at this very important topic. And of course, uh, we've been talking about the importance of reducing stigma of people seeking help for substance abuse, mental health, and uh, traditional abuse as well. There's a tradition. Um, I hate that fact. Um, You know, you may be in a cycle, but uh, there are good folks out there like Greg Belleville that are ready waiting to help each and every one of you. Greg, thanks. We'll talk to you again very soon, okay? Thank you. Have a good day. All right, you too, buddy. There we go. Greg Belleville, our guest on the program today. Nick Learhoff will be back next week. An important programming note, Kira, um, here on the 17th, I believe it is, maybe the 16th, it's Friday, whatever that Friday is, 16th or 17th of July, we will be coming to you live from uh, Wild Rose Casino and Resort. We'll be in the lobby Okay, out in Jefferson, Iowa, uh, Green County to be exact, and we'll do both of our shows there. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. I'll tell you that. I, I love doing live shows. I did a live show last night on a different station, and I love of live crowds because you get instant feedback. You don't wonder what people are thinking. They're listening, and they give you an immediate response, and I love that. All right, we got to take quick time out. Uh, back to rack up. Uh, wrap up the show. It's St. Gregory's Talk Therapy, the mental health show. Scott Casper, Kira Jones will be back after this only on I Was Hope. Stay tuned. Talk Therapy, the mental health show is brought to you by St. Gregory's Recovery Center. St. Gregory's features individualized drug treatment programs with a personal and holistic approach. Enjoy private counseling in small groups attended by caring staff in beautiful and serene locales. St. Gregory's is evidence-based rehabilitation. Most insurance is accepted. Don't go it alone. Enjoy a high success rate with St. Gregory's Recovery Centers. St. Greg's, it's where science meets recovery. 
stgregory.com. I can't say enough about the staff at St. Gregory's who seem especially gifted to work in this field. They were so helpful and encouraging and will always have my gratitude. I made some very good new friends, a couple of whom I probably would not have made it through those beginning days without. Everyone and the programs at St. Gregory seem designed and placed in my life by God's perfect plan. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory. RelevantRadio.com slash St. Gregory. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to St. Gregory's Talk Mental Show. Our uh, topic today, the importance of reducing stigma, seeking help for substance abuse, mental health, or just general abuse. Um, our, we originally had Jessica Potter, a counselor for St. Gregory's, uh, scheduled to be in studio. She's ill today. We wish her the best and a quick and speedy recovery. Um, so that leads us to the point of wrapping up this show. This is an important topic. Stigma is when someone views you in a negative way because you have a distinguishing characteristic or a personal trait that's thought to be, or actually is a disadvantage, a negative stereotype. So unfortunately, negative attitudes and beliefs toward people who have mental health condition are rather common. Now think about this. How far have we come and how far yet we have to go? Stigma can lead to discrimination. Discrimination may be obvious and direct, such as someone making a negative remark about your mental illness or your treatment, or it may be unintentional or subtle, such as someone avoiding you because the person assumes you could be unstable, violent, or even dangerous due to your mental illness. You may even judge yourself. Some of the harmful effects of stigma can include reluctance to seek help or treatment, lack of understanding by family, friends, coworkers, or others, fewer opportunities for work, school, social activities, or even trouble finding housing. Bullying, physical violence, or harassment are some of the uh, harmful side effects of stigma. Health insurance that doesn't adequately cover your mental illness treatment. Well, guess what? Uh, That has changed a lot. The view of the uh, insurance industry as to what is actually a mental illness, okay, has changed some of it through legislation, okay? And the state of Iowa right now on the road back to a positive place for those that have varying types of mental illness. Uh, and we encourage that we often have on our lawmakers, uh, those that are representing us at the state house to try to talk a little bit about, um, and raise awareness, by the way, that's so important. If we don't talk about it, can we affect change? No, no, we can't. We have to affect change. That's, uh, being a benefit, you know, being a, a contributing member of society. Also, one of the other effects of stigma, the belief that you'll never succeed at certain challenges or that you can't improve your situation. This morning, before uh, coming into the studio, across the street was a lady sitting there, and I wondered what she was doing. She was sketching various sculptures in the sculpture park, the Papa John Sculpture Park. And, you know, there are some of you that wish you could draw, wish you could write, wish you could host a podcast or a radio show. I encourage you to try, okay? Dive into the topic of your choice and find out what it is you do well. And people say, hey, you've got a great voice for radio, okay? And that that may be enough for some, but not enough for others. And there's so many different things that that go into being a, a broadcaster, a host, if you will, of a talk show, and that's doing your homework in such a way that people can understand the topic of what you're addressing. Okay. 
but in dealing with stigma, that becomes a little more fuzzy. All right. Okay. So some of the ways you can deal with stigma as we continue to wrap up the show, get treatment. You may be, you may be reluctant to admit you need treatment. Don't let the fear of being labeled with mental illness prevent you from seeking help. Don't let stigma out in shame. Stigma doesn't just come from others. You may mistakenly believe that your condition is a sign of personal weakness or that you should be able to control it without help. Not everybody has that strength. We need to help each other find it. Educate yourself. Your condition and connecting with others who have mental illness can help you gain self-esteem. Do not isolate yourself. And this is where the pandemic has played uh, the role of evildoer, okay? Don't isolate yourself. If you have a mental illness, you may be reluctant to tell anybody about it. Your family, friends, clergy, or members of your community or church can offer you support if they know about your mental illness. In other words, suffering in silence does nobody any good. Reach out to people you trust for the compassion, uh, support, and understanding you need. And again, I've said this earlier, do not equate yourself with your illness. You're not an illness. None of us are. So instead of saying I'm bipolar, I'm an alcoholic, or what have you, uh, I have bipolar disorder. Uh, instead of calling yourself a schizophrenic, say I have sch a schizophrenia, okay? Join a support group, and there are many out there. Some local, some national groups like NAMI and others offer programs and internet resources that help reduce stigma by educating people with mental illness, their families and the general public included. Some state and federal agencies and programs such as those focusing on vocational rehab and the Department of Veterans Affairs offer support for people with mental illness. Look for all resources. And uh, by the way, if you search for negative impact of stigma, okay, online, you'll find thousands of articles, thousands of, okay, make use of it. It's all there for a reason. People out through their writing, through their start as uh, a uh, search, through their research, uh, to, to help others. They're doing it for a reason. They have an express, um, desire to help each and every one of us. You got to do your part. Okay. So get help at school. If you or your child has a mental illness that affects learning, find out what plans and programs might help discrimination against students because of a mental illness. It's the law and educators at primary, secondary, and college levels are required to accommodate students as best they can. We invite you to talk to teachers, professors, or administrators about the best approach and resources available. That's what all that uh, teaching or teacher uh, continuing education is all about, uh, the new resources being available to them. And uh, teachers are the uh, defense uh, medical professionals as well, but we invite you to engage them. A lot of times they may not know that there is an issue or a problem and be a part of the solution, okay? And finally, speak out against stigma. Considering expressing your, consider expressing your opinions at events, in letters to the editor, or on the internet. Uh, I, I hesitate to say post it on Facebook, but if that's your modus operandi, if that is your uh, desired uh, vehicle, please do so. You'll be surprised how many people face similar challenges, and we invite you to help educate the public about mental illness for that which we speak. Others' judgments almost always stem from a lack of understanding rather than information based on facts. Learning to accept your condition and recognize what you need to do to treat it, seeking support, and helping educate others can make a huge difference. And we hope we've made a difference today in your life 
you make a difference in ours. Feel free to reach out to us. Our website again is talktherapytmhs.com. The program is called St. Gregory's Talk Therapy. For Nick Learhoff, for Kira Jones, I'm Scott Casper. Thanks for listening to this very important program. It's Iowa's Hope 940. Talk to you next week.